0: Well, I get to say good afternoon for a change instead of good morning because uh, we get to speak after all the games. And while the South African challenge has now ended at Tokyo, the hockey has not. And we know that uh, listeners of Hockey, the podcast, the South African hockey family want more. We still want to know what's going on. And, uh, yeah, maybe we don't have South African stuff to look at. We do still have some South African flavor over in Tokyo in terms of coaches and umpires, but uh, we thought we'd look at each round that remains. So we'll look at the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and of course the gold medal and bronze medal matches after they happen. Joining me today to discuss the quarterfinal round is three coaches with some great pedigree who have done it all in South African hockey. They've all experienced knockout stage hockey as coaches, as players, so it is important to that, that comes across and we're able to, to hear their insight. We've got Mark Saunders, we've got Bridget Key, and of course, Steve Evans. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining me. I'm going to dive straight in. This is the first time <clears throat> since 1984 that the Netherlands men are not in the semi finals. But, Mark, it wasn't really a, a shock that they lost to Australia. Maybe the biggest shock was that. Uh, they were the better team on the day, and that they took it all the way to shootouts.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tyron. Um, good to be here again. Um, yeah, you know, the Netherlands—it's it's an interesting one for me because they—they they offer so much, and for them not to be in a semifinal is almost feels like it's catastrophic. I think um, they're quality all around, but that Australian side is, is is verging on on next level hockey. Their intensity that they come with, that they play with. Is is something to behold. It's, I, I love watching them play. The style of hockey they play is 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 unrelenting, and I don't think, in their perspective, it was their best game. But uh, tournament hockey, you're going to have a bad game, and they they've had it against the Netherlands, and I think they came up on 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 top there. Obviously, it was a draw, but uh, in the shootout to go three love up, in the shootout is is phenomenal, and. Um, yeah, they have so much to to be proud of with their keeper and the three guys that took those uh, shootouts
0: well I mean and that, that was the interesting thing was you know they actually had 12 shots at goal themselves but only 5 were on target and they scored 3 of those or 2 of those uh, Perman Block saving the other 3 of course they had to rely on Andrew Charter who made 7 saves in the game he made the 3 saves in the uh, shootout and uh yeah, you know, for a team as dominant as Australia is, they, they, this would have sparked maybe a few signs because this was not a good Dutch side. You know, all things considered, that a month ago they won the European Championship. They haven't pitched to Tokyo, unfortunately. You yeah, a tournament hockey is
1: different, Tyron. It's you know you rely on on every single game. You have a goalkeeper who needs to perform every single game. If he doesn't perform, problems. You. You have seven shots at goal, five on target, and you're scoring three. It's a really good percentage. And if you're not going to take your opportunities, you you're gonna come up short. I think the Netherlands found that. You know, having that many PCs and not scoring PCs and PCs being their bread and butter, you know, you got Bonavirde and, and and uh Yip Jansen in there. They need
2: to be scoring some some PCs. Yeah, I yeah. think you yeah. spot on there uh you know, especially when it gets to uh to, to the knockout stages it's all about conversion you know you you, you work on on little things and little tactical implementations um, all the way through your uh, your, your pool rounds um, with the objective of obviously getting high enough up in that pool so that you that you play against theoretically the weaker the weaker uh, teams at the bottom of the table um, in that knockout but uh, once you go into uh, into, into these uh, quarters semis finals, it's literally about um, you having kept your cards close to your chest, making sure your players are starting to peak and then making sure that you put away those opportunities. And I think the Dutch will definitely be looking hard at themselves and, and, and be pretty disappointed uh, with not getting, uh, getting, getting more out of the opportunities that they created.
0: Well, Seven says, an interesting thing that happened is in Dutch television, they basically ripped into the coach. Uh, something we as South Africans are far more conservative and and, and don't do. But they ripped into uh, a Max Caldas and, and really Toy Mariah act on television um, saying that the players weren't there. It was Terry Brinkman's dad was talking about how unhappy the team is. I mean, this is six weeks after you've won the European Championship. That's uh, it's an amazing turn of events.
2: Yeah, it's, you know, I think... I was actually making a comment to uh, to one uh, to a friend recently, uh, just around how, by observation and having obviously just watched the Euro Football uh, Championships recently as well, how how hockey is kind of almost becoming uh, more like football, where this you know knockout hockey is brutal. And to be honest, I think if we if we had to play these quarters again um, another ten times in a row, we probably have you know quite a few different outcomes. Um, each time so actually to 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 create a winning campaign uh you you really need to have a special group of guys you need to have incredible um you know leadership and coach uh sort of interface if that makes sense and uh and and you're and and you've got to build your campaign all the way through where you where, where you build more and more momentum um, because again, winning these winning these championships is 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 really really difficult uh, these days, and it'll be interesting actually, maybe even just to have a look at, um, you know, what types of what types of competitions there are um, in, in in all the different nations uh, and the different parts of the world. Because uh, I know from my own experiences of having played in Australia, the Australians play a lot of knockout hockey. Um, they do it like in the midway in this in the league, uh, and uh, and and I think you know just. Being, being continuously exposed to that type of uh, that type of pressure uh, really does make a big difference uh, from a from a from a player and men- mentality perspective
0: and we, we we saw Australia get through and, and Australia is still very much the bookies favorite um, not that I actually know what the bookies odds are but they're still very much the favorites to go and win the tournament. Um, they will next up play Germany, who, although the game was fairly even with Argentina, I felt like they were in control the whole time. They were victorious 3-1, Tim Herzbrook having his best game, Lucas Winfeder also playing really well. Uh, I mean, this is the Germans who uh, lost to South Africa, but uh, they, they look like a team that could cause Australia some, some trouble in the semi-final.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I, what was, what was interesting, I think, about, uh, about the German wake up call, um, by virtue of having lost to South Africa is they, they suddenly just had that little moment of realization that, hey, guys, if we don't pull our socks up, if we don't take our chances, if we don't, uh, you know, implement what coach, what the coaches ask for, uh, we, we're gonna, we're gonna fall short. So often we yeah, also when you're coaching in, in, in the local, um, provincial championships, you know that you can be guaranteed that there's probably one one game in your in your campaign that uh that uh where, where the guys are just not quite on form they're not things just don't go your way and you have to grit it out and the mark of great teams is that you is that you is that you grit it out and you get through that uh through through that poor game if you like and uh and for the you know, and you hope that it's not a quarterfinal or a semifinal for that matter.
0: Well, and, and maybe that can be spurred on the last time a German side lost to a South African side at the Olympics. They went on to win the gold medal. So maybe there's good good omen there for them.
3: I was about to say it could be quite a a double-head victory for us if um, that were the case and that you go on to be a team that unfortunately doesn't make a quarterfinal after such a superb um, campaign as the South African men had. And then all of a sudden, you know, the the game that you – you won is against the Olympic champions. It would be quite a, quite a story um, for our, for our boys. But I also think just going on what Sevens is saying, and sorry, I didn't say hi to everyone, (laughs) uh, but it's great to be here again and, and chatting hockey. But uh, yeah, I think Sevens is hundred percent right is that it's testament to the great side that the Germans have sort of obviously ironed out some of the hiccups that they might've had in their pool games and have, seem to be peaking at the right time which is exactly what you want as a coach. Uh, That ability to sort of identify the mistakes and then make them you know apparent and then subsequently not let them come into play in the crucial you know knockout phases as you say. We're not used to knockout hockey a hell of a lot here in SA but um, the Europeans and the Aussies are and it would be It would be quite a thing to see, you know, like as these teams go along now into the semis, uh, how they start to get better and better and more clinical in the crunch times and those, you know, those really, really crunch moments is when it all comes down to the win or the loss,
0: I suppose. It would be a great – sorry, Mark, I was going to say, it would be a great dynamic if we could go into our IPT and almost have a a 16-team knockout IPT. It would be quite interesting. Early.
1: (laughs) be a hell of a fun, interesting tournament to watch. Um, but you know, that German coach Casey, he's, uh, he's quite astute and finding the right combinations at the right time is, has uh, is been key in managing those rotations. That heat is, and humidity is unbearable there in uh, Tokyo at the moment. And you know, if you touch back on the Netherlands-Australia game, those, those changes are critical, you know, and getting those right combinations, getting the players fresh and at 100% quickly is, is important in tournament hockey.
0: And and let's just talk about Argentina for a second. They came into the 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 tournament. They were the third highest average caps per player behind Spain and Belgium, but they were comfortably the oldest team with an average age of 31. Um, You know, no other team has an average age above 30. Only Spain are close. You know, it's almost the end of the era for that golden generation. That Olympic 2016. They've, They've given up their crown now. And, uh, yeah, are we, are we going to see a lot of change for Argentina in the next cycle? Sevens, let's go to you. Sure. Uh,
2: yes, most certainly, Ty. Uh, one, of the, one of the interesting things was I, I was involved um, with, the, with the 2000 Olympics um, by virtue of having qualified but being withdrawn, but I ended up going to those games uh, as a volunteer. And I ended up um you know, interacting with a couple of the Argentinians because we played a lot against them over the over the in the run up to, to those games. Um in fact Max Caldas was uh, was was playing in that side. Um and they obviously were 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 thanking thanking me for for uh yeah, for, for for the decision and that uh, they were there and they were competing. But what was interesting about it is that it gave them um that little that little bit of injection. They had nothing to lose. They went out there and they ended up um, getting into the top eight and and that and that is what you know off the back of the of, of what's always been a very successful uh, women 's program it suddenly allowed um, the, the talking piece to to kind of move towards the men um, and that's where they started investing into the youth uh, structures and then you know that went through to the junior World Cup and 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 what what we saw ultimately play out in Rio uh, as the gold medal uh, champions there's another story we can we, or, or or thread that we can pick up there, where we ended up qualifying for two thousand to the two thousand and four Olympics um, against Belgium uh, for the last space on a penalty shootout, uh, and uh, and it'll be also interesting just to have a have a chat a little bit about about the the, the um, sorry the Belgium kind of rise to the top, uh, but yeah you know, to to the to the point um, of of uh, of Argentina and and their success um, in Rio. I think what was interesting about it is that, uh, Carlos Rotegui, who's always been a, a, very, uh, smart, um, tactical, uh, coach and player, actually, for that matter, I played quite a few tests against him back in those days. Uh, but, but he, he, he's, he also has so much passion. And, and I think, you know, what, what we saw play out, uh, in Rio was, was, was the culmination and a combination of, Argentina recognizing what their strengths are, which is that dynamic counter attack flair, play you know happy to go with three players and see what see what happens you know get a get an outcome, but just lock that back door and not let anything in and put teams under pressure as a result. And and I think unfortunately like in this campaign and as much as they had really experienced players, their game style hasn't changed much. So I don't feel like they've got that they can adapt or they could adapt to 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 sort of playing additional ways and and what happens at the highest level is once you get worked out uh you're in trouble because because uh you know teams will just change what they do and suddenly you're under pressure you know so so yeah i think also carrying a lot of uh, a lot of pressure into this match uh, you know from from the expectation of the public but uh yeah i think just a little bit over the hill and and i think you know unfortunately for argentina they're going to have to be starting again kind of from from a not a zero base but certainly from a lower base than if they'd kept um exposing and injecting um you know their more more of their youth uh uh, players and junior players into the into the system
1: do you not think that emotional realization that this is their last olympics their last campaign you know they start flying high on all those emotions and those argentina flare-ups come out of them and you know they they're just riding on pure emotion and it doesn't often lead to the best hockey
2: yeah you you know you make a you make a very valid point uh also another really super interesting insight uh when when in 2000 uh, whilst we were waiting to hear whether we we're going to go to the olympics uh beefy nickel myself and my brother ended up going and playing in egypt and we got a we played club hockey we were up there for for a month and a half so six weeks and what was what was very interesting is that we we, we got a, a first hand view into like the culture like how is the hockey program set up um how do how do the kids come through the through the through the system um they've got a fully professional system uh you literally get uh you get picked up and you get signed when you when you're a youngster um based on on your skill level and what 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 the three of us figured out when we were there is that is that you you always have to play into you know, if you talk about disruption um and 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 unsettling your opposition, um, when you've got insight into how um another country works, uh you you you've got you've got tools that you can use to to unsettle you know your your opposition. So I think you spot on the, the RGs have always been um you know pretty hot headed and uh you know you're riding on that sort of on on that on that emotion and uh you definitely you know, countries countries have worked that out, and they, they know that they can that they can rattle a few cages there.
1: Yeah, the Germans can give it as good as they get, but uh, playing on the Argentinian volatility is definitely in the game plan, as in, you would in any tournament. You know, you Absolutely, give as much as you can take.
0: I want I want to move ahead, but I'm going to jump over game three, and we'll come back to to game four. I mean, world number one is Belgium, very strongly. If, if Australia aren't the favourites, then it is Belgium. Of course, uh, we've got Neddy from South Africa as part of the coaching staff there, so hanging a little South African flag there. Um, but yeah, they were they were going to they were strongly considered to to be a comfortable victor against Spain, and that's no disrespect to Spain. But Spain made them work hard, as we know a team can do in knockouts. And uh, when Alex Hendrick scored with three minutes left, that made the game safe. But up until that point. Spain were good value and you know, probably uh, you know, they defended really well. They played a real South African brand of sitting back playing on the counter. The problem is when, you, when you've got Vincent van and goals, you have to be absolutely clinical with your goal striking and they just weren't clinical enough to take advantage of the break.
1: Yeah, even the goal they scored was probably outside the circle in my opinion, but uh, <laughs> enough said about that, but- Spain did play a good brand of hockey there. They they had a plan for that particular game and, you know, it rattled the Belgians. And I think the, the Belgians probably a little bit no, more nervy in that the possibility that they may not win another, uh, win a gold in the Olympics with their, their golden age as well. Um, possibly playing a little bit uh, on that, but uh, it took them a while to get going. I mean, they ran down Hendricks on PCs every single time. And, uh, the the Belgians persisted with Hendrix, and uh, it showed. I mean, he scored two of those three goals.
0: Are uh, uh, In your opinion, Steve, looking at the two favourites, Australia and Belgium, and obviously they are in opposite sides of the draw, which one of those two look like the more complete package right now?
2: Yeah, look... Based, based on, based on the sort of, uh, on the conversion rates on the corners, um, with Hendricks there, I, I think the, I think the Belgians are, are going to be a very, very tough outfit, uh, to beat. Uh, having said that, I, I, know, and I love the Aussie mentality. Uh, they never back down. Uh, they run and they are as fit as you, as you can, as you can possibly be, um, at that level. And it's going to be a, a very, very interesting matchup. Um, I think if I, if I have to wager a, wager a bet though, Um, I'm going to put my money down on Belgium, though.
0: Yeah, to me, they've just got a little bit more of the rounded character. I just think that pressure on them to get the gold is going to be a lot more immense than it is uh, on Australia because Australia have won so much before. The last quarterfinal was probably the one that people were most eagerly anticipating. It was the Great Britain men who have not been that impressive in this tournament. Although you never know what you're going to get from them, they've got some proper players in Matt Wallace, in um, um, Sam Ward, who is an inspirational story in himself. So a, a really good side. Forsyth, obviously not being selected, being a big, big call the Scotsman. But they were playing India, who have been overseeing a resurgence in the field hockey. 1980 is the last time India made the semi-finals. 41 years ago and of course they won the gold medal then and what we are saying is what a great thing it is for hockey 11s that a country as uh, as big as india big supporter of india are doing as well as this uh steve uh, i mean firstly what a great performance uh they nullified the threat of great britain from start to finish and uh yeah ran out quite deserving winners there
2: yeah absolutely uh i think i think we we're starting to see you know what india is capable of and uh and and you know there there is there is absolutely some amazing uh skill as has always been the case in the indian context but i but i think the difference now is that and 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 it's been quite a long process we can probably you know talk a little bit more about it if there if there is some time but uh you know when 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 india were had kept on as with the advent of uh, of artificial uh, turf uh, a lot of the a lot of the the european teams that that had kind of were bigger more physical moved the ball around um with much more precision uh than the indians that used to thrive on the individual stick skills the hand speed uh you know playing playing on grass and so on um India have kind of gone through that slump where where they where they recognized, you know, probably in around about the, early, the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, that they that they needed to start to look at how to incorporate some of the uh, the more European style um, in terms of training and, and and input on the tactical and, and, and technical side. Um, and, and so it's been a long process. And there've been multiple European coaches that have uh, that have gotten involved in the Indian program, uh, but again haven't quite managed to find that sort of balance of art uh, and art Indian hockey, which is ingrained in in, in in these players, you know, as they come through the ranks, um, to to actually uh, to to being able to translate that into success um, on the field. But again, another really really important milestone, as we've seen in the cricket. Um, is the IHL where, where, suddenly now those Indian players, those youngsters are, are, are playing quality competition, uh, in, you know, in India every year with the top hockey players in the world from all over. And they're getting inputs, uh, one-on-one inputs on how other countries do things, on how, uh, you know, on, on the, on the individual, uh, um, technical and tactical skills. Uh, that that these that these world class players bring uh from other countries so very very interesting
0: it's it's also so important uh you know india are the sleeping giants they've they, the talk is that hockey india league wants to resurface and something like this will help it because uh you know star sports and other major sponsors will be enthused by the performance of the national team not just the men we'll talk about the women but India are the only country with two semi there. I mean, it's pretty special.
2: Yeah, absolutely incredible. And and I mean, especially for the women. Uh, actually, I was just I was online earlier today uh, when I heard the, the shock result um, with uh, with one of the Aussie coaches that had been involved uh, with both the Australian and the and the Indian women's programs uh, when I was from back when I was playing in Southgate days. And, uh, and, and he was sort of, you know, I just said, you know, c- you know congratulations on, you know, for the Indian team. Uh, it sounded to me though, from some of his responses that, that, uh, yeah, you know, the Aussie, the Aussie camp, um, not all as well. Um, quite a lot of it has been individual girls making individual plays as opposed to being the team players. We had the, we had the replacement of, um, of their, of their head coach um just before the game. So I think there's definitely there was something going on within that Aussie squad. I'm not uh, I, I haven't followed it closely enough to to be able to comment. Uh Bridgie, maybe you've got more insight there. Um but uh but yeah a fantastic result for the for the Indian women. Um and also again nice to see that they've kind of managed to get that that sort of structure within their play, but still allow their players to to use that flair and that Indian skill that we that we know is so dangerous.
0: Well, I think before we segue into into the the women's quarterfinals, we have two tantalising semi-finals. We have India versus Belgium, uh, and that'll be at three thirty tomorrow morning in South African time. And then we follow that with Australia and Germany at twelve o'clock. Steves, I'm going to put you and Mark on the spot. Pick your winner from those two games. <laughs> Definitely oh, Belgium,
1: definitely Belgium and definitely Australia. I think those are the two uh, heavyweight giants that we have left in the in the men section
2: yeah Sparky, I think you're on the money there um i I don't know I wouldn't write the Germans off uh <laughs> that's going to also be an absolutely cracking game but uh but yeah I think the, I think the Belgians are going are going to coast through there. Yeah.
0: We all know, of course, uh, last time Germany and Australia met in a major semi-final, it was the Germans who, who caused a fantastic surprise playing with basically one arm behind their back and the goalkeeper coming on in as a striker. So we never know what could happen. That's the men's action tomorrow. Of course, today, we saw the women's quarterfinals in action and it was, again, thrilling stuff. Now, I'll be honest... I was a bit poor in the sense that I decided to uh, get uh, some sleep this morning and I didn't wake up for the early game. Um, I had to watch it a little bit later, but oh my word, waking up to two incredible results. We'll start uh, with the first game and that was, of course, Germany 0, Argentina 3. Now, the Germans-European runners-up, Argentina obviously a great side ranked below them not quite the side that they used to be but what an amazing result for argentina dominant from first whistle to last whistle winning the game 3-0 and the goals were scored by Ruiz, raposa uh, maria granato and albertario who opened the scoring just before half time Uh, you know as, as much as you can look at it i mean the germans eight shots at goals the argentinians 15 shots at goals it was, as one-sided a match between these two sides have been, um, and the best team won. But many of us were expecting a really tight battle there. Uh, I'll open the floor to whoever wants to jump in first on this one. Wow. Just wow.
3: <laughs> I'm going to jump in just because uh, it's, so, it's so hard with the Argentinian team. They, they're like so unpredictable on what you're going to get. And a lot of people have always said, you know, they, they battle to play when they travel and they often don't play their own style when they're not playing at home or, you know, close to home. And I, I, I didn't wake up for it. I must be honest, but I watched again late today and it was just like, it's just so exciting. The style of hockey is just so unique and so inspiring for, you know, the quick hands and the, and the unique little skills that they pull out and things like that. And uh, it, it was, a, a you know, end to end kind of stuff. But, yeah, it was, uh, I must say, I'm glad and I might be, you know, held up by someone on this one. But I'm, I'm glad Argentina came away with it just because I think they offer a very unique um, field of play that creates a nice excitement for f- uh, female hockey and things like that, and that's, it's great to see. And we're not just getting the same routine, sort of European style, that is brilliant, but um, here you've got you know, something that's really quite special and quite diverse.
0: The, the interesting thing here is that Argentina were the most experienced team at the tournament and the second oldest behind Great Britain. Whereas Germany made the decision to discard some of their more experienced players, their older players, Janamila mila Wieland, uh, obviously one of them, still playing great hockey, but they chose to leave her out. They were the youngest squad at the tournament by some distance. Um, and in fact, the third least experienced. Only Japan and South Africa with less experience uh, in terms of average caps. Um, I mean, Seven's mark... It's a strange decision to cast out so much experience before a major tournament.
1: I think every team in a in a tournament environment needs a good balance of experience and and youth. You know, you you have come a long way as an experienced player, and you've learned so much over these times that it helps manage these these moments in these big games. That I think that g- the German side left today. You know, they needed someone who's going to take charge and say. Right we're going to dig our heels in we're going to get stuck in, and we're going to allow the the youngsters to play with what they know with their flair with their enthusiasm but i don't think, I don't think the Germans had that today where Argentina just far superior in that
2: regard i would I would just add um, we it's obviously also you know as an armchair coach uh, we, do, we don't have enough insight into into uh, you know how how germany have been managing um their their cycles and uh in fact we were talking about it in the south african context you know um with a lot of the european and um teams especially uh you'll, you 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 try to create as much longevity as you can um through these olympic cycles you know you might find that uh, that having one extra year um with the with the tournament being postponed due to covid has kind of has 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 thrown the cat amongst the pigeons a little bit uh, in terms of you know who, who who they selected and and who was fit and and and, and ready and available and also how how this next um, this next cycle from from Tokyo through to through to uh, Paris uh, turns out.
1: Do you think we'll see that many uh, retirements? Um, I know we've seen one or two in the men's section, but that many retirements in the next three-year cycle leading up to the next Olympics. <laughs>
2: Tough one. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, trying to decide when to retire, um, as a, as a player is, is, is always the, the million dollar question. Um, I think in, in, in the hockey context, most, most players will try to hang on as long as they can, to be honest. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, i unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not in, enough in the loop, uh, on the, on the, certainly on the women's side uh, of the game to kind of be able to, to make any picks. But, right. uh, but yeah.
0: No, Steve, I think it's an interesting point you bring up there. The, because here in the South African side, and uh, you know no, we're no not longer in the tournament, but the likes of Lisa Dietliffe's, uh Celia Evans, they're, they're both over 30. Um, Tokyo, uh, uh, Rio is only... Paris is only three years away because of the postponement. The same on the men's side. You know, we start to look... We know Rassi Peterson has called it uh, quits. Uh, Austin Smith, uh, we look at Tim Drummond, you know, arguably Tane Payton, uh, Jethro Eustace, they're all over 30 in the past you'd say four years, yeah, but now we've got less than 12 months to the Commonwealth Games we've got just over a year to the, the, the World Cup Now, as a coach, the Olympic Games may have always been the part where you you your players did take the opportunity to retire we've seen even Ava de Gouda has turned around and said, no, no, she's going to carry on until the World Cup, so you know how much of this delay by COVID, apologies, um, how much of this delay because of COVID is going to um, change retirement decisions?
3: Uh, Ta, I, Ty, th- I also think you make an interesting point as the sevens there. I think how much of this delay made an impact into selection as well for coaches uh, in either prep, you know, for the Olympics or Commonwealth and or the World Cup, you know, all of those together, does that impact or did that impact selection and people going, do I, do I prepare for the Olympics or do I go for the potential win at the World Cup? I think that the, all of those dynamics um, are ones people can talk about for hours and hours, but I think it definitely played a role or in my opinion, I think it would have played a role in some coaches' Preparations or thoughts into their prep and selection, and maybe we see that in the case of the Argentinian side, you know, being a young side, etc., inexperienced, and um, but yet maybe they're prepping for something else or looking into you know future aspects, be it Paris or or the World Cup.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, obviously, we we don't have those answers, but when we do, we will uh, share them with everybody. Um, the other, the other, the other games that went by before we go to the big one was Netherlands took on New Zealand, and in true Netherlands style, it was a tight game until the opening goal. And and in truth, I I never felt Netherlands were overly troubled. It was pretty comfortable. I don't think it was as well as we've seen Netherlands play. Um, and in saying that, they still ran out three 0 winners.
3: So, from my Hang side, I, I'm sorry to jump uh-huh. in there. Uh, no, no, no. Um, I just felt the Netherlands actually looked a bit complacent um, at first, and then all of a sudden felt a bit of uh, pressure and subsequently started to pick it up. And then New Zealand almost looked a bit complacent and outplayed out of not necessarily skill or structure, but more just sort of um, lack of drive. I hate to say that. But it just looked a bit uh, static and stale on the park uh, in many phases. Uh, definitely in, this, in the third and the fourth tracker, I think Netherlands kept applying the pressure, but it was sort of like more just, um, you know, practice play in some places um, as opposed to an actual, she we've got to pull our socks up here and really, really give it. Uh, that's how I felt watching it. I just felt that it wasn't up to the same tempo as the other quarterfinals. Um, but you know, maybe it's just I expect more out of the Netherlands often, um, and I, you know, was expecting a little bit more speed on the ball, um, and I didn't see that as much in this
0: quarterfinal. May very well have been playing within themselves with uh, a view to um, the semi-finals. Of course, Netherlands will be up against Great Britain. Great Britain are the defending champions. They have not looked like champions so far, but they are in the final four and they are there courtesy of a penalty shootout victory over Spain. Our last game today, of course, Great Britain led through Martin. Iglesias uh, leveled for, for Spain. Bolsden made it uh, 2-1 for Great Britain before uh, Pernateau uh, uh, leveled. It went through to the shootouts and, uh, you know, in my opinion, it's a very even game. I mean, if you look at the stats, seven shots apiece – Uh, Two goals apiece, you know, Maddie Hinch only had to make one save. Ruiz didn't have to really make a save because the shots were were wide. It was a real tentative game. Got to a shootout. Obviously, Maddie Hinch is a world-class keeper. She's been the FIH keeper of the year a few times. But I don't think Spain uh, covered themselves in glory in that shootout at all.
2: Yeah, Ty. I mean, I think I think what what you have to remember as well is is and as you I mean, all these teams are basically um, you know professional, semi professional um, as is the case uh, now. Uh, but it's as you go through this tournament, and especially in conditions uh, like Tokyo, where where it's you know mid to high thirties and and you know ninety percent humidity, it is. It is. It takes a massive uh, toll on your on your body, and not only on your body, um, on on your mental psyche as well. And uh, and so within within the context of of these semis, uh, sorry, these quarters, uh, you you have to remember that they've already played uh, five games. Uh, you've been in the village for probably uh, twenty days, approximately. Uh, you you're on this kind of repeat. Rinse cycle where, where you, you preparing for a game, you go play your game, uh, you debrief, you recover and you start preparing again. And, and, and so, so like for me, the teams that are, that you're going to see, you know, coming through here are the teams that have, that have had that, uh, preparation that are, that are able to, to look after themselves, that are, that are able to draw on each other. Um, when, when in, in these really really tough conditions,
1: Sives, I think you make an interesting point there as well. Is that where's the outlet in in this period? You know, there's not much to do. To go and watch a lot of uh, all the other parts of the Olympics, they can't get out and wonder wander and and have a look around. They they don't get to do much under COVID protocols, you know. So they're stuck in their bubble and they need to need to remain in their bubble. Where do they where do they vent?
2: Yeah, no, I mean it's a it's a it's a critical it's a critical piece of uh, of tournament management is is what your what your teams are doing. It was quite cool to see uh, some of the videos that came through from our um, from our men's um, campaign, where you know seeing the guys you know playing one bounce and 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 having some fun kind of uh, just outside their apartment uh, in the village there. Uh, because and and we would we were we were the same uh, we had a little game actually with dave stanley that used to be called mr grubber grubber which was a which was a little one bounce with a rugby ball uh game that we invented to to kind of you know keep things interesting there were also many games of corridor cricket to uh to to keep uh to keep everyone on their toes and entertained kind of just to just to change change it up and change the scenery but yeah definitely it is, a, it is a key part of, of your tournament management and yeah, it must be exceptionally difficult to, to, to be in these, to play and, and be stressed under these conditions um, in, in Tokyo.
0: We, we heard it in uh, the most recent episode when we chatted to the SA Hockey Men, um, Austin Smith and Tim Drummond basically said, it's still an amazing experience, but it wasn't half as fun as 2012 or 2008 with the limitations on movement with the access to uh, to moving around and having fun very strict protocols within 48 hours of you being knocked out the tournament you have to be home and you know the mental side of performance share yeah. I, I don't think we have uh, we will understand the impact of that on performance you know it could be the difference between a Kani Sambini coming fourth and second that small little bit of of feeling trapped uh some people will excel under that and others may not um especially if they're not used to it and and the fact of the matter is the longer you go in the tournament you know the tougher it gets and also the more nervous i think you would you would get because other guys are finishing their program and they're starting to let their hair down and the last thing you want is a covid scare before a, a medal match
2: Oh absolutely I, I can only talk uh, talk from my own experiences but uh but certainly you know back in in the two thousand and four campaign our our sort of disappointing game was game five against New Zealand, which was our opportunity to get through to the next round um and uh you know again similar conditions although dry heat but it you know it was an eight thirty game uh thirty six degrees we woke up at four to to prepare and and we were three 0 down in fifteen minutes, so half the team. You know, we're still on the bus pretty much. Um, and I think it is, it's, it's, it's those experiences that, that you have to, that you have to go through as a player, um, to, to make sure that you can, you can bring your A game every game individually. Uh, and when you can, when you get, when you get a team and a team dynamic and you create a team dynamic where, where guys are bringing the A game individually, that's when you can start to make the magic. Um, collectively and, and that 's what all these uh, all these teams and all these programs are are aspiring to, uh, and I think you know talk, with reference to the Dutch um, set up earlier um, on the men 's side, uh, it definitely sounds like there's there 's some behind the scenes stuff going on there that uh, that the hockey world's not uh, not a favor with um, you know in terms of that that team dynamic
0: another team that definitely has things going on behind the scene much spoken about Rachel Lynch and uh, her being removed, the coach changing the CEO of Hockey Australia but really the biggest thing that's going to be spoken about now is that they have lost to India they lost one test match of their last 20 against India losing 1-0 in a three match series in 2016 before winning the next two but they lost today India scoring one goal from a penalty corner the goal scorer, obviously, was uh, Kaur. And, uh, you know, Australia, nine penalty corners. India, one. Australia, zero goals. India, one. That's the only, the only stat, as cliche as it is, the only stat that matters is the scoreline. And India, after coming last in Rio, are in the top four in Tokyo. Uh, you, it's so.
3: It's so... Funny when I saw that result, um, I thought to myself, this is a team that almost didn't get it, you know, get it together at all. And uh, the coach was being very critical of his players in the build up play and the pool games uh, in a a constructive way, but um, just saying, you know, our girls aren't playing well enough. I'm not impressed with them, you know, with ourselves yet. We need to be better. And it seems something changed, a momentum shift in their last. Few pool games, be it the game against South Africa, or be it in the, you know, other games. But something obviously just changed, and it seems that <laughs> they snuck one in and have become a team that was a, potentially going to not even make a quarterfinal to a team that is now playing a semifinal. I mean, talk about a, a dream story coming, you know, true there for them. Uh, it's it's quite remarkable, and I, I'm chuffed for them, and I'm chuffed for their coach and mm-hmm. and their program because I think they've had a really tough time. Also, not having a lot of international um, build-up play, and coming out of a very, very tight COVID protocol environment, and they, you know, they whether they get through in the semi or not, I think that they will be very, very pleased at what they've been able to achieve uh, under their circumstances, and that they were able to come together as a team and obviously succeed and do well for themselves, which is great.
0: Not just for themselves, for a, a country of a billion people who are hockey and cricket mad, uh, you know. I, but but more importantly, I feel like there's really an opportunity for South Africa to take hope from this. Is, you know, um, India struggled at Rio. They came last. They managed one draw, four defeats. They really weren't at the races. They, they were overpowered by most teams. Um, but here they are in the semifinals, Steve, as as a coach, what would you be looking at uh, uh, if you look at the South African perspective? We've come last year; we've really struggled. You know, no wins. Can we take inspiration from India and follow a similar model to them?
2: Oh, Ty, I uh, I think we alluded to it a little bit earlier. You know, you you definitely within your within your squad, you you need to be constantly managing kind of that balance between youth and experience. Uh, you need to be exposing young players uh, you know and getting them into into the into the into the program get some test caps under the belt. obviously uh, finances is, is a big is a big factor and we've spoken a lot about that over the last little while uh, but I always say that you know in our national programs uh, the guys and girls that we have to worry about as coaches is not number one to 18 it's number 19 to 44 you know or 19 to 52. Um, where, when you create that environment where, where you're, where, where the, where the broader squad, um, feel acknowledged and feel like they can, that, that they've got a shout. Um, if they put in the, if they put in that work and they put in the yards, um, that they're going to get a look in. Um, like for me, that's, that's what drives your, your, your your top, your, your sort of team culture and your top, your top performance. And I, and I think there was a lot of, um, yeah, there, there were, there, there was a lot of discussion, um, and I'm sure there will be more coming out. Um, certainly on the men's side. I'm like I'm not too close to the women's side, uh, unfortunately. So I don't have too many insights on that front. But uh, but it, but definitely as a coach, uh, you want to be looking out looking out for and and, and making sure that that uh, that you can expose players because ultimately what you're looking for as well is you're looking for players that are that that can manage and handle um, getting knocked down. You know you're looking for players that are that are mentally tough. That will scratch and bite for their place that will, that will do those extra training sessions that you don't ask them to do, um, because they want it that bad. And I think, you know, we, we, we have a unique opportunity now in South Africa, you know, to, to capitalize on, on, on the, on the excitement that's been generated around, uh, around our two teams. And, uh, and so I hope for all the, for all the youngsters listening out there, um, that you're getting down, you know, with a couple of your mates. Uh, you know, to, to your local Astro um, at every opportunity to improve those stick skills, improve those fitness levels um, and, and, you know, set your sights on, on where you want to get to um, because there's loads of hockey opportunity coming in this country. Debs, you touched on it earlier.
1: We have worked so hard on our culture and, 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 and behind the scenes, but we have found an identity in how we play our hockey. And I think that came through in every single game. And we understood that much like the Indian men's side, they've also found their identity and how they want to play. They've taken bits and pieces from all of those European sides and they've developed it. And I think we as a nation can be proud of what we've done, what the coaching staff across the men and the women have done. You know, every game is progress. Every game is better. And we will definitely take part from what the Indian ladies have done today. It will assert the positivity through all the players that play in, in in these sites. You know, anything is possible, specifically in tournament hockey. And the Indian ladies being in the semifinals, anything can happen from there.
2: I
0: totally agree. Absolutely. We've all seen it. We've seen Namibia beat South Africa in an indoor hockey African Cup final. We've seen uh, South Africa shot Island. the <laughs> Yeah, we've seen Ireland, uh, Ireland make it to the the World (laughs) Cup semi-final against all odds. You know, the the stories of underdogs in sport are the most beautiful stories, but they exist because of that exact reason. That sport, when you go out on the field, it doesn't matter who's had the most prep on any given day. Any team can pull off the right execution and can deliver a knockout punch. uh, you know, for for uh, every Manchester City that wins a league title, you know the stories of Leicester City are the ones that you'll tell your kids one day, and and maybe the story of India's women will be the story we tell our kids one day—the day that they shocked the world and won gold in Tokyo. To do that, they're going to have to beat Argentina in the semi-final, and then they'll have to beat either Great Britain, the defending champions, or honestly, the world's best women's hockey team we've probably seen ever in Netherlands. It's going to be tough, but why not? Bridget, I made the the gents put their heads on the block. I'm going to make you do the same. Netherlands, Great Britain, who's going through?
3: Um, I'm going to be a purist at heart and uh, say that I back the Dutch in this one. Um, I think it's going to be a nice fight, but I just think – Skill and experience is gonna play its its role here not saying that g b aren't experienced but just uh you know a bit of um bit deeper deeper rooted hockey in the in the Dutch side so I think that i'm going to put my money on them for that first semi definitely
0: and argentina india
3: oh i'm an underdog lover hey one of my best experience, best memories of hockey is um when sevens was coaching that. Province side or um, Sevens, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. And um, the Penn side uh, took a win against the A side. And I mean, it's just, it's it's always exciting watching the underdog. So I'm Under going to put Durbs my money. Bridge. That's the one. That's the one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to um, throw my passion into it uh, for a team that's, you know, I really admire and uh, hope that india come away with something even though i love the argentinian style of hockey and i think they are so exciting to watch i just think that it will highlight what we've all just been speaking about about how uh, you know anyone can get to a gold if they put their head heart and soul into it so i'm gonna go with
0: india i'd love to see it an in india netherlands final i mean india being on the podium itself would be sensational. So yeah, uh, Steve, Mark, Bridge, thank you so much for joining us. It's been fantastic. The quality of hockey continues tomorrow. We got two semifinals the day after two semifinals and then hockey, the podcast talking Tokyo will be back for uh, a wrap of the semifinals uh, with some more of our guests. Thank you very much for all the listeners. Um, Hockey, the podcast, has moved into the top 10 listen-to sports podcasts in South Africa um, right now, which is really great. It's really great that at a time with British and Irish Lions, at a time with a Formula One race that was absolutely crazy, and at a time with all the Olympic events going on, the sport of hockey is what people are listening to. We have a great product. It's time we all work together to make sure we all uh, grow this game. Thanks, guys, for joining and we'll see you all soon. Cheers. Thanks, everyone. Aaron. Yeah, thank Thanks you very
3: all. much.